welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Good day, sir. And this week is no exception as we go back to 2004 for National Treasure and its sequel, National Treasure 2? A, a secret, Book of Secrets. Book of Secrets. Ooh. And this, it is quite topical because apparently part three is coming. As they've said for years. They've been saying that for years. But this time, you know, it might be happening because internet. <laughs> Read it on the internet, so it must be true. If it's on the internet, it's true. It must be true. But let us, before we go down this this adventure, mate, where we start stealing, you know, presidents and declarations of independence, let's, let's just get one thing clear, right? We did a very controversial episode the other week, right? And, and we're sorry to half of you and to the other half, we're equally sorry because the fan back, the fan backlash has been, has been massive. Apparently we either bigged up Robocop too much or we didn't big him up enough. So I'm sorry. I think I'm sorry. This, this podcast leaves no stone unturned on the quest to find the greatest of all time. And James is right. Two weeks ago. Uh, we, 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 we could have done anything in that episode. The only thing you'll remember is the, devilish thing that we did which is do an episode well we did we did Robocop versus Terminator versus Alien versus Predator on a uh, mashup celebrity death match who would win if they would pit against each other and uh, Robocop didn't win to say the least <laughs> but, he, he came last which some people are happy about but he didn't come last enough but then other people the court followers think he should have won I, won I knew that going into that episode that we shouldn't put Robocop in there yeah, real, so, the real winner was Judge Dredd, apparently. Yeah, it was. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And so, that's that episode. So we're sorry. We're sorry. But however, you you lovely people, you've come back in swoves and you've really liked the last episode, the controversial episode of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Aye. A, uh, an episode of uh, scumdiddly umptious bars of everlasting gobstoppers and childhood trauma. Mm. It, was a, it was a delight to walk through the gates of the Chocolate Factory and review that movie last week. That was the 1971 classic starring Gene Wilder. And this week, like I say, Nicolas Cage. We have done an episode called Nicolas Cage and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. And that was uh, episode 54, I believe, way back when in the first year of the podcast. Crazy times, mate. Yeah, and we would have touched on National Treasure then because no secret, James, no secret, I'm a fan. You are a huge fan. I mean, Ben Gates, the character that Nicolas Cage is in those series, you've made your A to Z characters, mate. See, I remember that. He was cool. He was cool. He's one of my favourite characters from Nicolas Cage, and that's saying something, because that guy, he's got range. He does have range. (laughs) So um, stick around for the Disney. It's so Disney. It's Mm. so Disney. We're the Indiana Jones with the PG. So we're talking about it. Don't worry, calm down. Yeah. But first of all, how's your week? How you been? My week's been, my week's been fine. I've been very, 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 very busy with yeah, work yeah. and uh, and having a little one and little bits and pieces. I have watched a few additional movies. It's Ooh. not just been exclusive to National Treasure and National Treasure 2. Ooh. Book of Secrets. It is Book of Secrets. Um, <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. When you say, it's Book of Secrets. Look, it says here on the internet. It must be true. And, uh, but I did watch, I watched Spiral. <gasps> you did talk about this, didn't you? Uh, I didn't talk about it last week. I think I, I think I met you the other week, the other day, and, and in between podcasts, I said, "James, I watched Spiral on Amazon the oh, other okay. day." I definitely we have definitely spoken about it. I the, thought you'd always spoken about it. Not on the podcast. It's Spiral Book of Saw, or from the Book of Saw, I believe it's called, um, which is uh, I I don't know. A, oh no, this was it. This is why I wanted to bring it up because it's the first. I I love film. I love cinema. I love talking movies. It's the first time I heard this term the other day, and that was requel, and that is where it's a sequel. But it's also a soft reboot. That's bullshit. <laughs> and in a world of multiverses and timelines and going off on tangents and all that kind of side quests and side storylines, 
Spiral is very much that. It's a sequel because it lives in the world of uh, John Kramer and the Jigsaw franchise. But it is a soft reboot because it brings in new ethos and characters and a direction to an op- but to a film that is still very much predominantly about torture and gore. Yep. And I've lost something along the way. Now, I'm not going to pretend, James, that I'm an expert in the Saw franchise or torture. Yep. But there were, my recollection of the movies, which again is very shady, <laughs> is that somewhere along the line, they went from being escapable mm. scenarios yep. where as an audience member, you were like, they genuinely might get out of this. I think it's something like, you're fat, cut out, you're fat, don't be fat, or stay there, be dead. Yeah, it's like, it's like, the movie Seven, but not afraid mm. to show you the stuff. Yeah. It's how and, I always thought about it. And and because you don't want him, because your villain has to be a bit different, there's a good side to it. So, so yeah, there's always like an element of, oh, if you cut off your own arms, you'll be a better person. Yeah, you'll walk out of there thanking him. You won't be shaking hands, <laughs> but you'll be thanking him for the lesson learned. Cheers, John Kramer. I was a waster in life, but now I'm a one-armed waster. So... It, it, I always found them really peculiar kind of movies, but entertaining. Certainly the first one, I remember going to the cinema when I used to watch gory movies in the cinema. I mean, pretty much before I became an adult and realised mm. I, I don't want to have nightmares anymore. When you were too young for the certificate. That's the I was untouchable, James. Yeah, <laughs> I was untouchable at that time. And I remember saw one thinking really good and saw two okay, started losing it. And then God knows what happened with all the other movies. But they did become a bit of gore porn. And, mm. and certainly the moment when it stopped becoming will they get out of this or will they peril? Because what I found now is in Spiral is no exception to the rule is they will just nearly get out and then die. Yeah. So you get, so, you know, and it's like the filmmaker is kind of going, oh yeah, but people want to see him do the stuff like have to rip out their own tongue. But there's also the people that want to see him die. So let's have them do both where they just don't get out just by this, you know, one second and they die. I never understood that. So, so you see them, I can't remember any examples, but it's like, Oh, rip off your... Okay, we use that example. Rip out your tongue and you'll live. So he rips out his tongue but then still dies because it's like, oh, you didn't do it fast enough. You're just like, oh. Yeah, and there's two of those Saw movies, which, God, again, I'm not an expert, but there's two of them that I clearly remember. The moral of one of them being, if the guy did nothing, they all would have survived. It's the second one. That's the third one, I think. It's the third or fourth. No, it's the second one because it's Donnie Wahlberg, isn't it? He's like, he has to sit in a room and he's like, all I want you to do is sit and talk to me. And he's watching his son be like tortured on the. No, on the I'm on about the one where Donnie Wahlberg's heads between two ice. No, blocks. it's not. No, because the method of that, I swear to God, the lesson to be learned is don't open doors because because it's the actor, the African American. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the film, he opens a fucking door, and they're no, like, but, but the moral of it is, open doors. No, the moral of it is don't do it. Don't don't sniff around in areas that you don't need to sniff around well, in. Well, then they didn't do a very good job because I thought he was having to go at doors. But then, but then I watched then I watched one of the Saw movies way later on, seven, eight, ten, twenty. I don't know which one it was where. Everyone died in every trap. And mm. I thought, this is the one guy you don't want trying to get you out of a trap because apparently he's useless. <laughs> and at the end when he died, it was like, fucking no surprise. Anyway, Spiral, back on topic. Ranting here, James. This one stars Chris Rock. Remember him? Yeah, I do. Samuel Jackson. I did this from you review like a few weeks ago. I'm sure you've reviewed this. Max Minghella. James, I, know- I watched it a few days ago. We talked yeah. about it when you come around my oh, house. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I haven't talked about... I didn't talk about it on the Willy Wonka episode, did I? I know you I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, poor Willy Wonka. Let's talk about fucking spiral. But they've got things in common. <laughs> Do 
Augustus Gloom, mate, eating himself to death before Jigsaw or Spiral or whoever does. Anyway, sorry, Chris Rock, I can't remember him. Samuel, Samuel Jackson. Jackson, Max Minghella, who's from uh, Handmaid's Tale, and that's a jolly show. Yeah, it's but, very jolly. Uh, this is a new criminal mastermind unleashes a series of uh, of traps and events, providing his own justice on those he believes to have been wrong. So he's targeting corrupt cops within this precinct that Chris Rock is in. Makes sense. I mean, if you that's think... A, that's a pretty good angle as yeah. a, alone for a thriller movie that, mm. and, or, a, or a novel or whatever where, you like I say, this... So, you know, one of them that it is to remove this guy's tongue because he's spoken lies. Another one is to take out... Um, he has to take off his own fingers or something because he pulled the trigger on a gun and killed that's someone. Cool. So that's it's all cool. things like that where they are guilty and they've got away with something that now they're being accountable for. But honest to God, like, they for, for a film that's around cops... And based on cops, and there's a history of like my dad was a cop, Samuel Jackson's like a veteran cop, and you know, they eat, breathe, shit, sleep, cops. They've just got no one does any police work in this movie. No, why would they? No. No one's like, hold on, they know a lot about us. Maybe it's one of us. <laughs> you no, know, it's what you're trying to say simple detective work would have actually helped them out. Ironically, James, that is what I'm saying. Oh, that's crazy. If if you're into like your kind of gore porn kind of movies. And you then I mean Spiral no. Spiral does that, you know, to do it doesn't it doesn't have the like the jigsaw puppet and it doesn't the theatrics. Have, yeah, it has elements to that and it tries to plan, but it certainly is trying to do its own thing. And it ends like they all do, which is a spoiler, I suppose. But how all the Saw movies end with that like flashback, what you saw wasn't what you saw, the way people were speaking was actually clues. Did you pick it up? Did you see that that person was actually winking to the camera and saying, I know something? <laughs> did you see that person who had killer on their name badge? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that person who was blatantly the villain all the way through the movie? Um, and it does that thing where it kind of wraps up and it's like, oh, open-ended, there could be a whole new franchise. But I, I really don't think there is. No. I think it's one and done for Spiral. Good. The Book of Spiral was one off. <laughs> the Book of Saw, Spiral. Not Spiral. You. Where did you watch it? Amazon. You avoid? Yeah. Amazon's become a cesspit, mate. I don't know. There's some good stuff on there, though. Oh, Every, now and again. <laughs> Every now and again, there's something good in there. I'll tell you what, though, mate. This is where I'm at. You know, life's going all right. You know, when you're in a relationship and you've got to watch the si- the TV series together, well, I've come up with an ingenious Fuck thing. Fuck off. You talk about watching Grey's Anatomy, like, on your own. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is Esther wants to watch Cobra Kai, so I'm watching something. I've, I've decided I want a TV show that I don't have to wait till I'm with a partner to watch. So I pick something I know that she doesn't like because she read the book. She doesn't like it. And I know that you've watched it, so I've started The Handmaid's Tale. Hey! Fuck, mate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bleak, innit? And I thought my life was depressing. Bleak. I'm still in series one, but Joseph Fiennes. I, yeah. What great turnout performance. I, I thought maybe he just evaporated one day. The cast list is strong, and the, and the stories are so bleak, I genuinely think they should come with a suicide warning at the end. There are The moments of hope, though, are worth it. Like, they're not... Then I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but then again, I can't spoil it. It's in its fourth series. I'm still in like the first few episodes of series one. Like the moment where the character gets in the car, I was so happy. I was like, yes, it's just the small victories. And the mm. TV show does such an amazing job of building up the small victories. That is actually, you actually find yourself willing yourself through each episode. Every episode is so crafted to like wear you down, to turn you into a novice. Like, oh my God, there's another layer of like hypocrisy, another layer of dickness. Like the commander right now is... He turned from charming, but it's now quite chilling and quite menacing. In the, in, the, in I mean, charming, portrayal. still a rapist. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But they all are. So, um, um, 
so I find it really, really quite great writing that it makes you sit through so much misery because you just want to see that one five-second clip in every three episodes that gives you that tiny glimmer because you know as soon as you have that glimmer, mate, the next 20 minutes will be them shitting on it. Yeah. So um, I emotional roller coaster. I'm worried. I'm it, worried I'm invested and I'm, I'm just worried that my heart's going to be broken again. I've found out of the three or four seasons, I don't know how many there's been, I think it's three seasons or whatever it is. Mm. I found that it, no, it's four seasons. I found that it, it, it keeps the momentum, keeps the drive, keeps the originality, keeps on layering this, um, the, the characters and giving you more depth and more backstory. I find it, it's paced really well. I've, I haven't found a dull season or a dull moment, that's, but that's, it is a, it's a hard watch. It's not something that you can like binge. It's like, God, yeah. I need to watch oh, some God. scrubs or something. <laughs> you, need, you need to just go wash. I washed my hands after an episode. I was just like, you know what? I just need it. It is, but it is, it's really good. And Elizabeth Moss, I mean, Christ of oh my, she's good. I read a review when someone said on it, that Jamie was like, it, it looks so like desolate. And then one of them said, and no one's wearing makeup. And I was like, well, that's the frigging point. Yeah. Because it would go again, if they're all made up and everything, that would go against the literal, have you not been watching? It really wind up. I find people's opinions are awesome. And I listen to them all. Um, but I, I do, I, do, I was fascinated because when I saw the uh, the cover and and the kind of the outfits and everything, I was like, period piece slash mm. like, like uh, weird worlds, you know, alternative reality, you know, uh, history changed by a landmark event, you know, that, so it's a kind of alternate universe kind of thing, you know, like Germany won the world war or whatever, like the kind of man in the high tower kind of stuff. I didn't know, I didn't realize that actually, no, it's set in modern times. Yeah. Um, and it's this kind of like civil uprising and, and like religious, like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, how are they going to get away with this? And then when they kind of explain it and how they kind of develop, uh, these worlds and these these new kind of um, hierarchies and government and everything. I was like, okay, I could buy into this. It's not as ridiculous as, as it, I thought as it was going to be. So what I find the most heartbreaking parts of the TV series is they do like a lost thing. They'll go back to before times and those are the most horrible places. You know, when you see them, like protesters getting shot and stuff like that. And I hate TV shows. I hate TV shows because they're so good at mirroring real life. And you just think like Black Lives Matter, these type of movements. And you know how easily and how wrongly it could have gone anyway very depressing if you feel bad about the world watch this so handmade sale the silver lining in it though is the excellent um acting even yes. the villains are portrayed it's, really good it's brilliant but it's does such a good job of depressing you that and i can't remember a name chloe is it chloe uh yvonne Shkrof, yvonne the, 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 no the wife of the commander yeah yeah she's brilliant she's great isn't she then again but then i thought i've, I've saw this film on the old the old Netflix, mate. And I want to know if you've heard of this film based on this cast list. Kevin Costner, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, Gary Oldman, Tommy Lee Jones, Alice Eve, Michael Pitt, Colin Salmon. It's a film called Criminal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you have said, because I was thinking, a cast list this good, it, and I haven't heard about this film, it must be shit. So a convict is implanted with a dead CIA agent's memories to yeah. finish his final assignment. What an amazing film of pure bollocks. And out of all that list, you wouldn't think it's Kevin Costner. Yeah, that's what I mean. Kevin Costner, when you first see him, he's, he's trying to be bad. And he's just bad acting. It's not very good. It's not very believable. Weirdly, I don't believe he's Kevin Costner. Yeah, it's, it's like the first 10 minutes of Face Off when Caster Troy is Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And you're like, this is so unbelievable. How's it, you know, and, it, and even when then John Travolta becomes Caster Troy, you're like, oh, this is just fucking stupid slapstick. It's entertaining, but Christ almighty, you've gone from one unbelievable character to I don't even believe Nicola, uh, John Travolta was human. It's um, it's a tr truly a tour de force of badness. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> There's a scene where I'm supposed to think Kevin Costner and Gal Gadot are falling in love. <laughs> Mate, science fiction at it its could best. Happen. Criminal on the Netflix. Give it a watch because no one else is. Give it a watch. Wow. I know, big films, mate. And I, you know, only started on like my massive ones. Went to cinema this week after mm. work to find licorice, licorice pizza, liquor rice pizza. How'd you find it? I haven't seen it. I desperately want to see it, but having a kid, I can't. I'm going to go for it. All this right. is a long one because I find myself writing quite a lot at the moment. I'm quite enjoying it. Okay. So this is a big, big release of many Oscars nominated. People are torn though. So directed and written by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, you may remember from Inherent Vice, Magnolia, The Master, and There Will Be Blood. Starring Elena Haim, a musician making a big screen debut. Uh, Cooper Hoffman, the son of legendary Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Sean Penn, Tom Waits. Bradley Cooper. Ooh, cast, mate. Um, so I was really looking forward to watching this new offering from Paul Thomas Anderson. Last year I watched The Master and began slowly recognising the little touches in his films that make them feel so complete. Sitting down, I was ready to be blown away and just after two hours later I was leaving the film annoyed of my own expectations. After hearing all the buzz and seeing the award nominations, I must admit I got carried away and was expecting that once-in-a-generation type film. It's marketed as a coming-of-age story and I thought this was going to be my story. The story centers on a relationship between 15-year-old high schooler and actor Greg Valentine and a photographer's assistant, 25-year-old Elena Kane. Greg is quirky and very mature for his age, very charismatic and cocksure. Elena is different and not the type of 25-year-old you would normally associate with 1973. The chemistry is there and the acting is quite palpable. Elena Haim gives a very composed performance and she held her own in the story and Cooper Hoffman gives an admirable performance as Gary and does very well in his scenes against much more established talent. The high point is the supporting cast with Bradley Cooper, a clear standout, obviously relishing the chance to improvise and have fun with the role. His scenes stand out as a particular highlight as he's able to cut loose and really shine. And then there's an interview he's given out recently where he says he was ready to give up acting, become solely a director until he was offered this part. But now comes the but. Afterwards, I checked the reviews and saw the word nostalgic constantly. Like the previous film from yesteryear, Once Upon a Time, the film seems too bogged down in trying to recreate the perfect 70s period. More effort was put into trying to recreate something from the past instead of creating something new. Even the film's name is a nod to records and the slang term for them in the 70s. And yes, I do have a massive problem with the ages of the characters. <clears throat> After watching it, there really was no need for the ages of the characters to be this way. I wonder if people would think the film was charming and, and as nostalgic if the ages of the main characters had been reversed. While the banter is charming, there are clear romantic and sexual undertones that stop me from immersing myself into this world. Um, I do not believe this film will age very well. However, that's not to say I disliked the film. I thought the film was okay, bordering on good with high performances and great, uh, great dialogue and the, and the casting spot on. However, the story doesn't engage with me and I did not enjoy myself. But that's not, that's not a bad film. No. There's very good highlights in there. However, it's not my generational film, which I was hoping. And that's my own fault for putting so many expectations on this film. I've wanted to see this film for a while. You know, we've been mm. talking about it. I've been desperate for it to come out. Let down. But, but I'm to blame for that let down as well because I mm. put it on a pedestal. The, the, I, this is the same reason why I couldn't get on with Armageddon. It's because I just... <laughs> I just couldn't, a good point. You did say that. Yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't see myself in that film. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just couldn't do it. You couldn't associate. It was a coming of age me. movie that it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Well, old. that's a shame though, because like, but that's just me. I know there's people out there that will love it. Yeah. There is some controversy about like what they call a racist scene in it. 
the joke isn't the racing part. You're laughing at that person's ignorance. Yeah. Well, that's what I was. So I don't really class that, but, but the, the ages, there's no need for it. It just seems to be, but then again, I can forgive it on some level because as a young man, there's that time where you fancied an older woman. And it's usually when you're hitting pu- past puberty around 15. However, I know it's going to sound really stupid. I'm sick of mature teenagers in films. They're always in these quirky periods. There's always a teenager who's, who's, you know, very mature for their age. They, they're more or less 20. We'll make them 20 then. You know, it's not, I'm bored of it. Why can't I, te- if you're a teenager in film, you're either incredibly funny, charming, very sophisticated, or you're an idiot. <laughs> There's no in between. You're Ke- not normal. Careful, James, because soon we'll be back to shagging pies. Yeah. Mm. There's quirky teenagers though as well. That's the other subcategory. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that, that was me on, on Liquor Race. I'm still going to go watch it. You should go watch it. Yeah. I'm interested to know what you think. Yeah, I, I, I want to see it. I mean, I'm probably going to watch it just for the Tom Waits bit, really, to yeah. be honest. Tom Waits is good. This podcast are brilliant. Bradley mm. Cooper's scenes, mate, are the standout. Are they? Yes. Anyway, that was, it was Licorice Pizza. Did you watch, why are you saying Licorice? Because it, it's not spelt with a Q, so. Oh. Why, uh, did you watch Pig? I did watch Pig. I did watch Pig. Do you know, after all that big setup, you've uh, just, and you, you know, talking about, you know, what you felt and what you were drawn to, and you can clearly see you've put, you know, pen to paper and, and your heart on that review or whatever, and then you got your pig. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is a truffle hunter whose pig gets stolen, yeah. so he goes after his pig. Yeah. But what you've got here, right, is you've got a great fucking story about sorrow. Yeah. And it, 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 there is a reason for it. No, Is it a spoiler? It's not really a spoiler. There's a reason why he's decided to basically sod life off and it's about acceptance and things like that. But what he got is a great mirror, and I didn't write the actor's name down, the guy from um, Hereditary. Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf. They have a brilliant dynamic where they've got the same story. You've got one that's accepted the truth and one that's denied it. And it's you very rarely see a story about someone just flat out denying something that leads to such epic life changes. Nicholas Gage returns to form in what is, I think, a stellar performance. And he barely speaks a word and that's, he barely says anything. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not Willy's Wonderland, don't say a word. Yeah, it's... But it's also, you know, it's not National Treasure (laughs) 2. Book of Saw. <laughs> it's, Book of Spiral. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I, you know, 90 minute, real tight run time. Um, I love the first act of the movie, like Nicolas Cage and a pig in a in a hut, mm. truffle hunting and making just luscious looking foods and living the simple life off the grid. And you get that, like, you get that feeling with Nick Cage that something's going to pop at some point or, you, you know, and he's that guy, he's that guy who, you know, over the last, 10, 15 years has done the big blockbusters, you know, the indie films like Pig. He's done Mandy. He's also done, you know, things like Jiu Jitsu, that stupid alien you martial arts go, movie. You won't let go, will you? Won't let go, mate. <laughs> won't let, never. Not until, that, not until someone thanks me for avoiding <laughs> that movie. I thank you. Thank you. Um, but, so you say he does films, but that's because I think he loves, he, I think, Loves he, craft. I think if he wasn't acting, he would genuinely be, do not know what to do with himself. So he says yes to films because he loved making films. Pig is this rare, so it's a first-time director, and they capture perfectly the essence of what this film needs to be. Mm. What is great is these long silences. I I would say that this is a great film with the, the least amount of words actually said. There are long periods of nothing. My favourite shots are them cooking, especially towards the end, no spoilers, but when they're cooking towards the end, there's like this, it's tranquil. Yeah, um, yeah, so Michael Sonowski is the director. Yeah, first time director. Yeah, I believe I've, I believe reading some of this that the first time director they wanted yeah. Cage, they wanted Pig, they wanted this story. Um, 
And I remember seeing Pig on Nicolas Cage's IMDb. And just thinking. And, just, and seeing that tagline of a truffle hunter looking for his pig. And at the time you think he's going to arm up with machetes and machine guns and Michael Bay this fucker. But he arms up with, mate, love. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Not really. But there's a standout in this film. And do you know what it is? It's the makeup artist. It's because the pig. Nic- oh. oh, okay. Of course it's the pig. <laughs> Nicolas Cage uh, takes a beating and re- basically remains throughout the entire film bloodied. And I'll be honest, I don't know about you, but I was for the continuity devil inside me. I kept watching it. I was like, I'm sure they're going to muck it up. But no, if you notice it, his eye gets blacker, the, the bulge gets bigger. Outstanding work by the makeup artists on this film. Outstanding. Mm. And I believe that pig was hunting for truffles. I believe that pig was hunting for truffles. I believe Nicolas Cage was also helping that hook. Just saying it's it's uh, Oscar season soon and breaking boundaries this year with a pig being nominated would be cool. Pig needs to be and hey, so I I'm just saying just saying Adam Sandler's won a Saturn Awards and the pig's not won an award yet. Now you tell me that that is fair. It's not fair. Mate, Adam Sandler should be stoned in the streets. <laughs> the extreme. <laughs> is it though? I mean I've seen Jack and Jill. <laughs> um I think Pig was a near perfect film, mate. I really enjoyed it. And what, we do a certain things with the imperfect films. Oh, we put them in the vault. We so put any, them in the vault. Any uh, great movie on the quest to find the greatest of all time so that one day when that asteroid does hit this planet and whatever's left of it is salvaged by the newcomers, yeah. their time will come. And pig? Pig is in there. Let's pig put Pig in, in the vault. Yeah. I like to point out that Nicholas Cage is... And we've got something, you know, the opposite, the, the hole. And I've got something for that a bit later as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, Cage is the, the spectrum, isn't it? Of You can define all great movies and all terrible movies on a on a cage spectrum, mm. you know. Well, we tried to once. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, but you could do that, could you? Like, how is it? Uh, it's face off. All oh, right, you kind of. All right, okay. Yeah, how is it? it? Oh, it's the Rock. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna watch that then. Oh, what was that? It was Mum and Dad. Oh, I don't want to stay away from that one. Ooh. Um. Right. Okay, so are we going to go to? Uh, well, we're talking about Nicholas Cage, mate. Nicholas Cage has come up. I believe it's time to un- uncover what it's all about. National treasure. National treasure. I'll take national treasure and you can take national treasure too. Book of secrets. That's the one. James, I'm going to take you back. (gasps) December 26th, 2004, the United Kingdom has no idea what's about to invade its cinemas and its heart. (gasps) Nicholas Cage, Diane Kruger, John Voight, Sean Bean, Harvey Keitel, Christopher Plummer and Justin Barthor. Take us on an action adventure and mystery that's only boundary is its two hour, 11 minute runtime. At the helm of its crusade is John Turtletaub, director extraordinaire of Why You Were Sleeping and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. The greatest director of his age. Mm. John's movie searched for gold and found it at the box office, with a film that tripled its budget and box office takings. But what's it about? How about history? How about honour? Doing the right thing? Preserving your family name? Stealing the goddamn Declaration of Independence like a red-blooded patriot? <gasps> Take two groups of treasure hunters, both searching for a Mythical lost fortune, one to make history, the other one to make profit and gain. Have these partners turned enemies follow clues from the Arctic to the United States, solving riddles and puzzles, and serving us a warm slice of American history along the way. God damn it. Who will find the gold first and at what lengths will they go? Underpinned by the wonderful Trevor Rabin score, National Treasure is a film that you give itself that you give yourself to, but it gives you back a warm hug. Wrapped in the American flag. God bless you. Wonderfully visual, great performances, high stakes, sidekicks, family woes, and a love story. All ste- oh, and stealing the goddamn Declaration of Independence. Cage embodies Benjamin Franklin Gates, 
the high pedigree treasure hunter that's as conservative and liberal as an American eagle with a vape. His father, John Voigt, the white picketed fenced Republican that's wasted 20 years searching for treasure he now believes to be a myth. Insert Riley, Disney psychic 101, and, 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 and underpinned by the most 2000s technology. Mm, yeah, we watched it this week. I was like, yeah, that's, 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 that's what kind of time stamps this movie is the scenes when they do techie stuff. It doesn't get better either. It doesn't, no. <laughs> uh, and finally, Abigail, the smart, loyal, patriot first lady of this ensemble. The treasure, supposedly hidden from the British, despite a flashback showing that it was the British that found it, um, is now being uh, is now being pursued, wait for it, by someone British. <gasps> but stop. It's not 1775, James. This is no revolution. It's Bean, Sean Bean. Oh a bleached-haired villain dialed up to incredible, whereas merry men are thugs. Like the founding fathers themselves, Gates will have to risk treason for what he knows to be right. Oh my God, mate. You've painted me a word picture, the likes of which the world has never seen since... 2004. Yeah, 2004. <laughs> I, I saw this film at the cinema. With no, I remember very clearly going and no expectations other than I'm an absolute slut for action adventure, globe trotting, mystery, puzzle solving, deciphering, cryptic movies. These, this is, I mean, since I saw Indiana Jones at like five years old, the, these movies will always pull me in. I know exactly what I mean. I went to the cinema to see something else and then you saw the movie poster. It was the very nearly silhouette of Nicolas Cage. You can see him behind him. It's a giant round puzzle and it says National Treasure. You know what you are getting. Mm. Um, it's the same venue as The Mummy. It's the same venue as Indiana Jones. I'm going to get a PG film. Nicolas Cage is going to be finding shit. That's it. This film was going to come out as a touchstone uh, pictures, but when it got the PG rating, Disney quickly gobbled up that slice of American pie and put it under its banner. And it is... You know, you, the tagline to this movie was not like Nicolas Cage is the national treasure, which it should have. That should have been the tagline. <laughs> the tagline to this movie was from the producers of Pirates of the Caribbean. I know that's a bit weird. And we, I, oh, sorry. But on. you get that because you get the big set pieces. The score is glorious. You know, mm. Trevor Rabin's score in this film really, really is great. And it's that, say what you want about Pirates of the Caribbean, infamous soundtrack. And that first movie does hold up for its extravagance and its character's the introduction of Jack Sparrow, I remember in that first movie where the ship is sinking and just as it sinks, he steps onto the... Yes. That, there's no greater introduction to your hero than maybe Indiana Jones. Maybe Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's literally what I was going to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, say what you want about Pirates of the Caribbean, but you can't you can't take that away from it. Oh, no, the first one's great. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a swashbuckling to... adventure, James. <laughs> from the producers that brought you National Treasure. Yeah. <laughs> but National Treasure had that same sense of uh, no expectations and being thoroughly enjoyed. And it is because... Like we talked about with Pig, when you get good cage, you get great cage. You get enjoyable, loving, uh, love, like kind of just awe-inspiring cage that sucks you into a movie. Starting characters are all, they're all very good as well. They're all great blanks. And what I mean by that is, is there's great story that you can project different things onto. Like, I think Abigail's fascinating, you know, like she, she loves the history of the country. You know, they have great banter because he like finds her a medal that she's always, she's always after. It's all believable. It's like, oh, I imagine this would happen. Mm. And the unbelievable stuff is actually done Believably, yeah. I genuinely thought that maybe Ben Gates could steal the Declaration of Independence, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate, take a back seat, Ethan Hunt and Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. Yeah, people have to die when you do it. No, not yeah. Ben Gates, mate. And lesson, lesson from uh, Nicolas Cage in this movie. So I think what you've got is you've got a great story, you've got a great adventure, and you've got enough that in audiences are invested in because it is quite simple, but it's like, there is gold somewhere. Mm. 
there are clues, but people don't believe in the clues because you can't see them. The only person who believes in these clues is Nicolas Cage. So you go in with him. Everyone hates him. Well, not everyone hates him. His, his family just history him. is tarnished. Yeah, exactly. And there's a really good story where it's like, yeah, there's a really good point where he calls Brown. He calls himself Brown because he doesn't. And as soon as uh, Abigail finds out name is Gates, it's like, oh, you're the crazy crackpot. And a scene that I genuinely thought has aged like a fine cheese, mate, is the scene where they have to explain to Abigail why they have to put extra security on the Declaration of Independence. And, they, and then Riley is next to him going, that's where we lost the FBI. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, there's an invisible map on the back. And he goes, and that's where we lost Homeland Security. And I just think, do you know what? That writing, mate, mm. actually very good. You need, for a movie that is, uh, you know, where the premise is unfound gold that's gone through hundreds of years and secrets and hiding it from the British, and I said, you need a... You, you need stakes that are unbelievable to pass. And what I really liked about watching this movie, easily five years since I last saw it, that's probably a lie. I yeah. do watch this you movie watch quite a lot. <laughs> Every week. Um, what I really liked about it is, is looking at it ahead of this week's episode, thinking it starts off ropey. Like there's that first act, that first scene, the whole like going out to the Arctic and seeing, um, when you go past the kind of the history session, section, which, with which is quite Palmer. good. I'd like, but I quite liked that. The, the idea that Christopher Palmer the, is telling the setup. Yeah. Herself. Yeah. That, that, you know, the young, uh, Ben Gates, like this runs in his blood and his family. Can I just say that? Do you remember a time before they had the aging technology and when they tried to make an actor look younger, just give him a bold wig. Yeah. Despite the fact that John Voight looks like an absolute pillock. Yeah. Just the, the floppy hair. <laughs> It's yeah, anytime they do a flashback in American films, it's like just give them partings. Yes. It time stamps them in like the 90s or whatever it needs to be. Yeah, floppy hair because, yeah. But the, you know, this uh, when, they get, when, they're, when they're on the way to the Arctic, where there's like at this point, Sean Bean is the employee, he's taking on Nicolas Cage, the only one who doesn't believe he's crazy, you know, thinks he has this clue to get him one step closer to this treasure. They, there's this back and forth in the in the cabin of this snowplow as they tra- trek in the uh, the Arctic. Yep. And they're just fucking spoon feeding you all the backstory so that they can just get on with this film. <laughs> just, it's like, oh yeah, it's... Um, oh, no one believed uh, me. Yeah, no one believed me. Along. Well, you know, I, I believe this. And oh, it's a good thing we picked Riley up from that thing, you know, and now he's this <laughs> wizard and he's this tech. And they just go through all of this, like Sean Bean does it really unconvincingly, but they get it out of the way early so we can just have adventure after that. So this is... I'll be honest, when I watched it a second time, you know, third time, fourth time, I don't know, I must be on like my, my teens viewing right now. A little doubts creeping in because Riley has tracked it down, this ship that they're going to, he's tracked it down to the North Pole, Antarctic, wherever the snow plays. I don't, I still don't know how <laughs> because it's not as if this old ship had GPS. Science. <laughs> right, okay, thank you. Science, James. He used science. And his computer. And his computer. And metal detectors, because no one's used them before oh, to enough. find a ship that's not really buried because it's only... That's yeah. the other thing as well. When they excavate this ship, luckily there's no snow or ice in the ship. Yes, because I was thinking that as well, yeah. <laughs> it's only around it, over it. Yeah, you that's know. how ships work. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's what makes them float, James. It's because <laughs> nothing gets in them. Yeah, but it does have holes in it, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't, apparently. <laughs> Right. And so that's glorious. It's like they uncover this ship. It's hollowed out. They're like, right, we're going to go in. It's fucking preserved because it's in ice, obviously. Obviously. Gunpowder, flares, explosions, Wood. impossible. Wood is indestructible. Yeah. So. And the folly is in this. So the people that put the sound effects in after the movie, glorious, mate. Mm. That crunchy snow, sound of wood just exploding. Oh, it's brilliant. But the real adventure takes up after this when they go back to the United States and they start putting them pieces of the puzzle together and it's the moat. And this is the other thing as well. 
Stealing the Declaration of Independence. If this was a Mission Impossible movie, that would be at the, the end. That would be what we're working up to. They put it in fucking early. They do put it in early. Like before halfway through this movie, they've stolen that fucker and they're already baking it to try and find a map on the back of well, it. Obviously. That's what I love about it, mate. Um, all right, I've, I've got a question for you. Now, do they get out of the North Pole, Antarctica, snow place? No one knows. Right, okay. But then again, Indiana Jones did this a lot, James. That's tr- that's true. Star yeah, Wars always- did this. They just did that that sweep across, next scene, now we're on another planet. So, I don't know about you, but I think that conversation could have gone on a bit longer. So, yeah. Sean means this benefactor, and then he, he basically, he drops everything you need to know in this scene where he goes, I've been known to put together a few, like, raiding parties. He's like, oh, you're a criminal. Yeah. I don't understand. You don't, you don't think I got this far in life by following the rules? Why I don't understand is why he believes him. Mm. Like, what has Cage said to him that he's gone, you know what, no one else believes you. I mean. Yeah. He brings in... He brings in his 007, his 006 GoldenEye voice for this movie. He does, you are right. That for England, of- James. <laughs> he does that, like, don't don't be from Yorkshire for the time being. Be other English. Be, be the only other England. <laughs> be Londoner. Um, fast pace now, mate. Fast pace. He kicks it's up clues. It's deciphering. It's thinking on your feet. It's Nicolas Cage doing algorithms and figuring it out and spoon feeding you history. That All right historians don't agree with it and film critics might not be kind to this but who cares I like to point out that I remember a lot of people saying there's a lot there's a lot of steps that he's missed myself included mate when I was a youngster I was like he tells someone that someone's going to steal a declaration of independence they don't believe him so what does he do oh he steals the declaration of independence Mm. he skips a lot of steps and I'd like to point out well Nicolas Cage my friend as an actor as an auteur he he skips a lot of steps because you know one day he's a you know he's kind of a cop or Mm. or a killer I'd I know it's John Travolta at this point, but then instead of interrogating someone, swaps the face. Because mm. he goes straight to that, mate, this is Nicholas Cage. That's what he does. He does. He goes straight to the extreme. And what you've got here, mate, you've got good action, good family-friendly action. And what I mean by that is if you boil it down to its basic, it is essentially Nicholas Cage and friends running away from Sean Bean. That's literally it. Yeah. That's it. Mirroring the history of the film itself, which is hiding the gold from the British. The film picks up in modern times, James. Put a stamp on it. Hiding it still from the British. It mirrors itself. Oh it, the writing of this film, the caliber. Do you know how sad I am? I never even thought about it like that. I never thought there was, oh, he's, he's hiding it from the English again. Yeah. What I love the about film, it. Mate, the other parallel on this, and it's Ooh. my favorite scene, is when he's he's getting the fingerprints off Abigail before she joins his motley crew of merry men. Yeah. Um, and he gets the fingerprints off her. And he speak, and I love this in film, and it's a it happens all the time, and and I get a little tingle, and this is why I love movies. It's when someone says something a little bit obscure, so the audience member knows they're talking about something that the person they're talking to doesn't know, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the founding fathers and George Washington signing the Declaration of Independence, knowing that if they w- lost um, the, uh, the the war in 1775, they would have been hung for high treason. And what he's really saying is, I've got to steal the Declaration of Independence, knowing that if there isn't a map on the back and I don't find this treasure, I will be tried. But I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Oh my God. And, and I'm like, this film, James. So I've got a thing as well. I think Nicholas Cage is actually the villain of this story. Now... We need to wash your whole mouth. Well, I'm just saying that if he was just happy to accept, there, there's a running theme here where where Ben Gates is kind of a bitch to his ancestors because it happens later. It's like, let it go, mate. Let it go. Why don't you become a teacher? Nice philosopher. Why don't? Why just let it go? Where does this belief come from? He endangers friends' lives, mate. He steals the Declaration of Independence. The Patriot. Also, here's another thing as well. He doesn't tell anyone that it's Ian who's going to do it. He's just like, someone's going to say it. Well, if you're trying to convince him, give them more details, dickhead. Yeah. 
Yeah, he looks like the guy from Goldeneye, the villain. Now, another thing. Now, I don't know how you feel about this. Harvey Cartel's a little too smug for me. Mm. He he's so smug. He's next level smug. He's the the thing that makes him even more smug is that is the facial hair. <laughs> yes, it's it, obnoxious. It? It's obnoxiously <laughs> like he knows he's in it for a paycheck. He needs a new kitchen, dry summer, whatever it is. He's like, yeah, I'll do this movie. A couple of scenes, you know, get my kind of, not get my main salary. Get yeah. my kind of my weekend salary. Yeah. You know. Oh, I pay, pay for a little vacation. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be a little bit quirky. Yeah. I so, but you've got a great story. Do you know what? And it's great in its simplicity. You don't have to figure anything out. The film does it for you. Paint by numbers is not the term I'm going to use. It's a good story that's that's played out. And Sean Bean's got this great power to tell when there's another clue, except for at the end when it fails. It, but his special power is you're lying to me. <laughs> in the scene that I don't actually understand, and I did rewatch it, is somehow Abigail gets the upper hand but only for three minutes. <laughs> so she thinks she's won, but it turns out because they've got John Voight kidnapped, he's like, oh no, it's the other way around. I mean, I've I heard what John Voight said, let him die. Just just let him die. No one cares. Yeah, I've ne- never been a John Voight fan and he's the stain on the movie. And he is a stain. He's the stain. He's the John Hancock. <laughs> he's, he's the John Voight. <laughs> Mate, honestly, I'm surprised with myself he's, at American history right now. He's the death note. I've already got the Revolutionary War date right, yeah, I think. Yeah, you have. Did I? 1775. Yeah, I believe it's, yeah, 1775 will happen again. Yeah. Mm. Just, after, just after the Seven Year War, James. When we uh, sent the French pack in. Ooh. You got, you got Wikipedia, right? No. <laughs> okay, well, well done then. Thank you, Jake. Cheers. Um, so I think it's safe to say, and do you remember, I remember one thing as well. You said it earlier, critics did not like this film. What do they know? <laughs> but but this was number one for so long, because I vaguely remember it. either mm. Jonathan Ross or someone or moaning about it being number one again on their show. They were like, uh, number one, oh, freaking national treasure in it. And I remember this film would not leave. Yeah. And it was, it was this, I think Home Alone did a lot of things. Home Alone is the term that they use when a film outdoes successful and has a knock-on effect, making films that they expected to be successful less successful because for some reason audiences were still going to see this film. Spider-Man, <laughs> no yeah. way from home, it just won't leave. <laughs> so... But it is good. I mean, you know, Chris, uh, Boxing Day is a big, big time in the UK for it to come out. And worldwide, it obviously did really successful. Just going back to the movie as well. Um, I do like every character in it. And I do like the character of Riley as the sidekick, you know, and I particularly like, I know the the second one would probably foreshadowing that the second one doesn't live up to the caliber, you know, of this yeah. movie. But I do like his continuation over the two movies. I think he's perfectly offset against Nicolas Cage as well. But my one of the best scenes in it, and we've I've made we've bigged up some of the writing, which is someone listening to this is probably being like, that's not great writing, that's corny as fuck. And I know we're playing, yeah. But the the bit where he pays for the Declaration of Independence, yeah, because they sell him replicas. Yep. That I swear to God, if the writer of this movie did not take a moment after writing that scene and just smoke a cigar, going, I've done it, boys. I cannot write a more perfect scene than this, <laughs> Nicholas Cage after just pulling off the greatest heist ever of stealing the Declaration of Independence, gets stopped in the gift shop and he, and he hasn't got the money to buy it. Oh, perfection. Perfection. Mate, applause. It is. And I, I like, do you know what? And, and the, the film, the good, the, the, the telling of a great movie, like the Indiana Jones movies, is that as a viewer of repeated viewings, you know what the next scene is. You get quite excited about it. You know what the next scene is. You know where it's going to go. It does have the big, bold ending. It does have the kind of, 
you know, the, the like all Indiana Jones movies and every, every one of these, when you go into tombs, crypts and all these kind of, what are the odds that all the mechanisms still work and nothing, the wood's not quite rotten yet or someone's left a torch out for you. <laughs> I love the idea as well that the Freemasons, so after the British like, you know, got away with it, the Freemasons as proven are still around as well because there's the heavy implication that one of the characters always knew that it existed mm. because they were always this and they say, oh, it was always meant. What I love about it is if you look at the history of America, that means that for a financial crisis and, you know, like the Wall Street crash, those fuckers still were like, no gold. Yeah. <laughs> no, let them perish. And also, you know, at the end, <laughs> people starving like, no, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> I know a free, I know a free Mason. Oh, yeah. And they are big on charity. <laughs> but, you know, you know, like at the end, it's like, hey, up, oh, look at that ring. Look at that ring. I didn't realise he's, he's fucking one of them. I've never seen a ring before. Yeah, <laughs> like fucking look, he's wearing, a, you know, I, I see things like I put together all these cryptic and decipher all these clues, but I didn't realise he's wearing a mason ring. Yeah, that never never thought of that. But, but let me put it out there right now. Imagine that ring had a swastika on it. <laughs> you would notice it in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You would notice it literally before they got the hand out of the pocket. You'd be like, no, like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you got a swastika? Yeah, you, you would, yeah. But all of a sudden, you don't notice. And it, all right, you and can- And this, 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 this symbol as well is everywhere. Yeah. You, would, you would argue more predominant than a swastika. <laughs> so, yeah, I do- um, I do I fucking love the audacity of the movies, right? Is it the second one where it's like they left us clues like on the one dollar bill? And no, all it's this, that one. Oh, it's that, that one, yeah. It's the first You'll one. You'll see an eye. Because there's that scene where they just change clothes because if they're running around a tuxedo and a dinner dress and he's just paid for something with a hundred dollar bill. And he says, Can I have a hundred dollar bill, whack? And then the cashier as she should goes, No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just gets out because they tried to find out what time they need to get to the Liberty Bell. And then it turns out that, you know, they they use a micro a crystal ball or something, and they go, that's what it was because because they knew the dollar bill would be invented <laughs> and have this. And so it's on there, the time, which is really good that someone at some point in history didn't change that and get rid of the freaking Liberty Bell from the dollar, uh, the $100 bill. Mm. And that's the moment where Riley says, oh, because of daylight savings time, it's actually three o'clock. And I just remember thinking then, I was like, I'm pretty, this is, I can understand all of this, but Riley getting daylight savings time has annoyed me. <laughs> it's a step too far. I, oh, man, I love it. I love it. I love the monument scenes. We said this before, like any, any kind of film about American history and that, you know, it would be one step too far to have an eagle just fly and land on the Statue of Liberty or something like that. But mm. you've got to get them Washington monuments in there. And I like where it goes to places like the, you know, the boss of the Massachusetts trail and all that kind of stuff. It's good. It's, it's an enjoyable romp, mate. It's an enjoyable romp. It is. Always meant as a one-off though. Never wanted it to be a sequel, but you cannot stop the juggernaut that was National Treasure. You can't, you can't deny box office, mate. You we know that, and you can't deny. We know there are things in life you cannot deny. You can't leave a half-eaten garlic bread, you, and you cannot deny that box office. You cannot deny Disney, <laughs> <laughs> Lord Disney. If Disney wants something, mate, the the Disney Emperor. gets Disney. <laughs> Darth, <laughs> Darth Disney. Now, are you ready? Yeah. National Treasure, Book of Secrets, the original cast, now joined by Helen Mirren, Ed Harris, and the actor that always plays the president, Bruce Greenwood. Oh, mate, so many people needed new kitchens that year. Ed Harris was like, I want a slice of that Disney pie. Um, It's time to solve mysteries, have banter, and make outlandish plans that somehow work. Mm. The Gates family truly are the real treasures, as once again they are heavily involved in the creation of America. This time, Thomas Gates is asked by John Wilkes Booth and Michael O'Logan to decipher a message copied into Booth's diary. Thomas is able to solve the code 
but realizes that these fellas are bad and he rips the coat out and burns it. He gets shot for his trouble and dies. Mm. Oh my God, we're setting up, mate. We're setting up. Oh, can you feel it? An assassination of one of the great, like the biggest politicians in the world, mate. Are you feeling it? The Gates family, they're involved. Something's going to happen. Many years later, during an academic lecture, Ben Gates and father are interrupted by Ed Harris, who tells everyone that Thomas Gates is the real mastermind behind the assassination. Dick move, though, doing it out of the... He's such a dick the, move. The inaugural event of his family being entered into, like, <laughs> like history just, books. Just like, it's just like, we're right. No! <laughs> Anyone got any questions? Yeah. Um, but did you know that he also has the last remaining page of the diary, which seems to back up his point? No one questions this or why the other rebels killed Thomas Gates, but it doesn't matter because apparently this is the only way to prove. So, oh my God, oh my God, they're in crisis, mate. What I love about this is, do you remember the Gates family have spent many years being called, you know, liars and, oh, fools. Mm. They proved they were right. So this fucker comes up and they instantly go, boo, <laughs> you, your ancestors killed Lincoln. You're to blame. <laughs> boo. It's, it, yeah, it's pretty, it's a, it's a claim, isn't it? Yeah, it comes out of fucking nowhere. Um, did well? Did you know Thomas? Uh, no one questions why the other rebels killed Thomas Gates, but that doesn't matter because apparently the only way to prove his innocence is to find the treasure, which makes no sense. <laughs> which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. How are we going to link this to treasure? <laughs> um, also, there is never an explanation for why Thomas Gates' name is on the list because because he's on the list and it, the the paper is proven to be from the diary, but it's just like I don't know. <laughs> All of this will go away if you find the treasure. Did Harris? Did Ed Harris fake it? Did he bribe the man who said it wasn't a forgery? We don't know. <laughs> Mysteries. Maybe that will come up. Maybe they'll solve that mystery. Mm. Ben must reunite with ex-lover Dr. Abigail Chase because it's a sequel. And just like Ghostbusters 2, they must separate for no reason. Other than to get back together by to the end of the movie. Exactly. And spunky computer expert Riley to go on more shenanigans. The adventures takes them from an, takes them on another chase, but this time through a different world, conspiracies, and over-the-top methods. This leads them to London, to the desk of the Queen. Cage flexes his English accent chops in this scene. Ooh. And his right. overacting man. <laughs> We're going with um that's English, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Bubble and squeak. Bubble and squeak. Haggis. <laughs> I love the fact that Haggis is the one that like, that the cops, the line. Like the cops taking it as soon as he goes, Haggis, I'm doing you. Yeah, fucking Scottish, mate. What are you on about? <laughs> oh, sorry, I did miss that. First of all, they go to Paris where Ben charms French policemen who usually hate Americans, but not him because he's got an understanding of French history. Mm. Also, first use, did you notice this, of a uh, drone? I did notice the drone yeah. use in this, yeah. And if you watch it, it's got a really like crappy resolution until he takes a photo of the Statue of Liberty. Then, mate, fucking, mm. like, perfect pixels. You can read that shit. 1080p, high def. That's what it was. And next, they use Abigail's current boyfriend to get to the Oval Office, but they can't find the second piece of the puzzle. <sighs> and also, I'd like to find out convenient. Mm. <laughs> Very convenient. Yeah, you know, the new boyfriend is like, I work at the White House. He's like, that's going to come back later. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> so what do you think they had to do? Well, as a sequel goes and everything's blown out of proportion, well, now they have to get to the president's diary, a diary that each president writes in, and it says, hold the secrets of the entire country. Wait, James, the film is called The Book of Secrets. Oh, my God. Well, guess what happens? To get their hands on it, there can only be one way to do it. There's only one thing that you can steal that's got more importance than the Declaration of Independence. 
That's right, they kidnapped the President of the United States. <laughs> Fuck me. It's like, I'm not joking, but his insurance must be well high because he's just like, it's just like, do you remember all that money he made? Yeah, he yeah, stole the decoration of You wouldn't fucking let him near anything. You'd be, like, you'd be like, every time he goes near the Washington Monument, you'd be like, right, keep an eye on him. Yeah. So he shows up as a president and fucking shoots him. He goes, right, he's, up, he's clearly up to something. <laughs> he was pissing about in the Oval Office the other day. <laughs> fucking not right. Um, to be fair, he is all right with the plan. The, the president takes it remarkably well, but for reasons too stupid to explain, if Gates can't find the treasure, then he'll be arrested for kidnapping. But if he does find it, then everything will be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at this point, I was like, if 24 taught me anything, it's the presidential pardon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it was just, always the get out of free jail, like get out of jail free card. Like, there's surely the president in this could be like, don't worry if you get caught, mate, I'll back your presidential pardon. Yeah. But no, but if you no. get caught, you're on your fucking own son. But if you find the treasure, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> if you get caught, get caught. I'm sorry. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do for you. The most powerful man in the world. So we know that America's a big country and these people had the rights to do anything. So why don't they hide a city of gold in a mountain, then carve faces into the mountain, attracting three million visitors a year? <laughs> I love this bit when Riley goes... They they uh, they sculpted the the Rushmore um, as a cover up. Yeah, it's what? just like or put it in a bank. <laughs> just just yeah. do anything with it, really. But would have made more sense for them to bury it under the White House. You know, it, it, clearly that would have made more sense. But no, yeah, no, no. put it in a Mount field Rushmore. of landmines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> spend it. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why I never thought about it. So they, they the reason why they're keeping this gold is because they don't mm. they didn't want the Confederates to, to use the gold to buy an army. So I was just like. You spend it. Yeah. Buy yourself a fucking gold house. And they never thought, maybe we need to dip into that little nest egg to help <laughs> yeah. all this homeless. Well, well, I love that as well. Like, that means there's a second pot of gold. Everyone went, nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> like, God, we're like trillions in debt from all this like invading the Middle East. Like, Probably could do with that pot of gold right so now. Well, we've got two. No, no. no. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> right. So, um, what I love about this is that there's really no security anywhere. No. You can do pretty much whatever you want. Everything's dialed up to like 11. So Riley to me is no longer funny. Abigail's no longer the smart, interesting one. Nicholas Cage overacts a little bit. But wait, oh, sorry. Babe. She, she's, uh, she's wandered. Um, uh, what's her name from uh, Avengers? She's lost that Pennsylvanian Dutch accent in this Very one. quickly, yes. Remember how in like Avengers where uh, Wanda had an accent Wanda for the first movie? For the first like movie and a half? And I think and just, just like, literally nah. halfway through the second film she's in, it just disappears. Yeah, it's not needed anymore. I found the story quite complicated. Also, like, that Rushmore scene as well, when he's like, oh, there's a switch in this hole. Fuck off, has there been a hole and no one's put their hand in that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but then again, I find most of the things is, is bullshit because because someone would have like knocked that down to frack a mountain. <laughs> They'd have been like, yeah. do that. Yeah, let's do it. Well, fuck me, there's gold coming from this mountain. What's that about? Um, it, it is, it is sequel, it's, it's sequel 101, isn't it? Is it? Bringing more big names, Helen Mirren, Ed Harris, bringing bigger stakes, oh, more CGI. I, and that's for, I didn't miss this, but I missed Helen Mirren out. Like she's the only person in the world that can, you know, translate these two like wooden pieces. I mean, it's convenient, isn't it? That she just happens to be Nicolas Cage's son. Oh, the Gates family. Well, she, no, she's the mum. Yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. <laughs> she happens to be Nicolas Cage's son. <laughs> maybe that's the... That's a great movie. Maybe, maybe that's the secret. Yeah. Um, 
I found Nicolas Cage more animated, but Nicolas Cage gets past me. Now, the big talking point I want to talk about here, mate, is, is the older Ed Harris. I actually think he's more of a villain. But more of also, a villain than who? More than, uh, sorry, I believe he's the only upgrade because I never thought that Sean Bean was actually going to get his hands on the national treasure. No. However, I thought Ed Harris was actually menacing to the point where he belongs in a more adult-rated film. Like, he's pretty dark. He's a weapons dealer. But there is a, there is a caveat. Ed Harris is very weird. So he starts off in this film and it's possible that he basically, you know, makes up evidence to disprove that Thomas Gates was actually a good man. Um, and the re- later on, when they get into the, the gold city, he explains when they find it to Nicholas Cage, it's like, I had to do that to get you invested in the story. So, so what does that mean? And then he says, I want to take credit for this. You haven't done anything. All you've done is tap her phone, you fucking idiot. And then you've tried to kill everyone. Why don't I understand And this action actually makes me think less of Ben Gates because Ben, so there's a scene where everyone's going to die and uh, Ed Harris is like, no, I'm going to be the first to survive. And then an earthquake happens, water comes in and shock horror, somehow Ed Harris is the one that's going to die. And he says, make sure I get credit for this. And Nicolas Cage, Ben Gates actually does it. And I remember thinking, you're a fucking idiot because he did piss all. Mug. Mug. It just made you look like a mug, Nicholas Cage, and Ed Harris somehow gets like 50% of the credit for this. Dick move, Ed Harris, dick move. Mm. I really, I'll be honest, do you know what the problem was? I think they ran out of locations. I think all the best ones, the story's complicated because you're looking for treasure and that's fine, but I, you don't really know what that has to do with the assassination of President Lincoln. And it, and it very tenuously links in there but not until about a third of the way through the film. I really didn't understand what this film was. I was I was actually quite, I was like, what? Look for treasure. Yeah, it's not as tight as the first movie, is it? It's not, it's loose. The characters were kind of caricatures. The music's still the same. It's still got that playful manner. And I'll be honest, you know, when a second film sets up a third film, it actually does it very well. So Ben Gates, yeah, he's seen the secret book. And then the president asked him at the end, when he's pardoned him, and the reason he can do that is because he found the gold. <laughs> Which is because remember that because now he's found it, he's free to go because that's how the legal system works. If you find the gold, you're free. He says to him, What do you think about page 43? And Nicholas Cage Ben Gates replies, I think it's doable. Oh my god, a third one. That's 20 years later. Still haven't got the third one, but apparently they're making it right now. The internet said it. Uh, they're not going to do this because it's Disney, but I just I always think at some point, if if I was a filmmaker. If my second movie flopped or wasn't as good, you've got a Logan it. Yes. You've got it on your third film. I want to see him like black and white, fucking dark. Down on his look, indie light, just a director, the actor, handheld camera, get in the actor's face. Like this guy is alcoholic. He's, he's you know, he's, he's down on his look. Riley's left him. Abigail's left him. You know, join John Voight's. Just gone. He hasn't died. He's just gone. Get rid of all the get rid of all the backstory. He's on a train. It's hurtling in the Middle East. The villain is at the front of the train laughing. The back carriage is on fire. We don't know why Nicholas Cage is here. Go. But the, drop us into that scenario. Wait, what's the treasure though? He's got to be looked for stuff. The treasure. Oh my god, maybe. This is just an idea. The Declaration of Independence, another name's formed. <laughs> he goes, I blogs. And everyone's like, oh my god, who is it? They would have to follow more of the like my mum was uh <laughs> <laughs> my mum's name has been dishonoured my great 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 grandma <laughs> now I was thinking of the second one as well it's almost laughable the moment after the Kadakithi 
the speech about um, the Gates family history. Fucking turn on him, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but then there's a moment where they're all on stage and there's John Voight and Ed Harris. And you know Ed Harris signed up to this because the first one was a big success. He's going to get to do scenes with um, with John Voight. He's already done the Nicolas Cage thing with, um, the with The Rock. So he's going to get them scenes with John Voight. He's going to get the Helen Mirren scenes. It's, you can see why Ed Harris signs up to it. But there is a scene where they're going, well, your great-great-great-grandfather told my grandfather this. And he's like, no, you take that back. My great-grandfather did. say that, yeah. And they go, they're going backwards and forwards. And I'm like, God, this is really bad. Like script? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> why well, don't understand about this as well? Maybe you'll go, it's like if my great-great-granddaddy killed a queen, I wouldn't give a toss. I'd be like, yep. It's almost as if, why don't understand about it? The world as well. It's like everyone's talking about it. And Harvey Keitel... I didn't give him much respect in the first one. It cuts to him because he's still in it. Just. Just. And he says, when the people are laughing, they go, oh, look look what happened to Gates. And I remember thinking they're laughing at him. And I was like, yeah, but, but he was right in the first movie. Yeah. So, so maybe you should like leave him alone a bit. And they're going, turns out he's in And the Harvey Cartel says, well, where's this evidence come from? And everyone's like, oh, I don't know. And you're like, oh, that's the FBI. <laughs> and then you go, oh, that's how he's able to steal a declaration of independence. I, lo- <laughs> so- I, I, I love it in Disney movies in particular. When, when the authority figures like the FBI, the CIA, whoever it is, Homeland Security, just, <laughs> I just love that. I love, love when they're all like bumbling, they can't get in the car. You're like, yes, that is the, <laughs> that's a federal agency. Yeah. So that's uh, national security right there. And so it turns out that he's an arms dealer and, and he's done all this nasty stuff. And Harvey Cuttle's still the only one that's going, well, who's he hanging around with? And they go, oh, these two people. And then the next scene, you see them beating up John Voight. And I'm thinking, yeah, good. <laughs> um, Bit of a car crash, but you know what? It's, it's Nicholas Cage. It's National Treasure. It's still fun. It's, it's not as bad as I thought it was going back to rewatch it this week. I, I had it written off as a, as a really bad sequel. It's not really bad. It's not great, but it's, it's not terrible. It's not. Uh, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's not It's not best, it's, but it's not bad. It's, it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with being okay sometimes. Sometimes you need okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there are scenes that are still charming enough. Like, um, I, I'm a sucker for going to locations and finding out that the film lied to me. Mm. You know, like I remember walking in the National History Museum in New York and there isn't a giant dinosaur like T-Rex bones. There isn't, um, you know, a a Teddy Roosevelt, Robin Williams oh, mannequin. Bullshit. And Ricky Gervais isn't the the manager of the oh, museum. So, so but so I remember going in and be like, this is nothing like the movie. Like this, 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 not the movie's a lie. This building is a lie. <laughs> the building is like, a lie. Like that's how I, that's how my simple mind works. And, and I do know that a lot of people you know, they use completely different locations for the interior shots of some of these, you know, because you just can't film in yeah. these places. You're not going to be able to queen it in like in... Like in Buckingham Palace, for Buckingham example, Palace, yeah. yeah. But those scenes are still like charming. Like when they have to uh, figure out a clue that's in the desk. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a puzzle desk. You know, they, that, that is still my problem exciting. That is, my only problem with that is the puzzles. Are, in the first one, the puzzles themselves are actually quite complicated. Like they're always like, well, what's this for? And then they Although there's a problem in the first one is when they use those Benjamin Franklin's glasses to look at the map mm. and there's so many different like lenses. Why did he just use one? What a tit. You like, there's reason there's more than one. Anyway, in the second one, the answers are actually always pretty, they get the answers pretty quickly, which I didn't enjoy. Um, but then again, you can't have them like spend an hour in the queen's palace just going, what is it? Mm. Um, but do you know what? I, I'm with you. I don't mind a set piece that's not original because I'm never going to see inside, you know, Buckingham Palace. The only thing that annoys me is when they go through the main entrance and they do that in the Buckingham Palace. They go up to the gates of Buckingham Palace. They go, oh, can we come in? They're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just that's the only thing they realize. It's like, that wouldn't happen. Shut up. Yeah. Anyway, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's good. And also another thing I really like as well in these kind of movies is um, they'll fly Nicolas Cage out to London to do the shots, but the scenes with like um, Ed Harris, you can tell the green screen, they're like, we're not sending Ed Harris out to fucking France. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I, I'd, and also I'd never believe that Helen Mirren would ever forgive John Voight. It just would never happen. She's just like, no, you can get it to bollocks. You can go. Yeah, even if he apologised, he'd be like, yeah, but you're still John Voight. I think he, he does at one point. He's like, didn't you? He's, he's fucking, he says that. He says the lines. He says, did you ever think I was just trying to impress you? And she's like, well, you, you no, because you shit. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, fair point. Yep. I like Helen Mirren. I like Helen Mirren as well. She always gets a pass in bad movies. She does get a pass in bad movies. And, she's, and I always find that her introduction is very lively and very good. I mean... I've I've never seen that many Fast and Furious films, but she was in Hobbs and, Hobbs and Shaw, and I was like, yeah, I like that. I like that she's Jason Statham's mum. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's really nice. Because if you're not enjoying yourself in a movie, you can still enjoy those scenes yeah. with Helen Mirren in it. So it's always the free pass, isn't it? Yeah. It's like Bill Murray whenever he appears in a bad movie. It's like, well, at least I get to see Bill Murray for a few scenes. Yeah, I get that. The highlight of a bad film. Mm. Mm, bad films. National Treasure. So um, it's not bad enough to go in the pit, the second one. No, God, no. No, I do want another first one is one of those. <clears throat> it's not a great film. Let's not be honest. It's not a great film. But I would put it in the same vein as Tombstone. It's a fun film that yeah. when you watch it, you do enjoy yourself. Now, I guess, and then this is more of an audience question, is is a film so beloved that it, you forgive it for certain things? Like, I know that you didn't. You didn't get that emotional connection with the film Tombstone. If You have to go back to like the Western episode, like episode 13 or something. But it really responded to me because it was a fun film. And I know it wasn't like the best film but I forgave it. And I think uh, National Treasure is that sort of film. It's like, it's got a lot of holes. Jesus. Mm. The second one, they go look at the Statue of Liberty. I'm fairly certain it wasn't built when the fucking thing was created, but that's fine. <laughs> but it, it's, it's got that sort of, I forgive it because it's a fun film. It's a, it doesn't start with, you will learn about American history. Fucking hell. Yeah, this isn't going to make its way into like the National Film Registry. Yeah, exactly. And it's not going to win any awards for its historical accuracies. <laughs> but then again, neither did Die Hard Free. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that's a fair point <laughs> yeah well it always takes me back to you remember in Patch Adams when, uh, when he's like you're a bit old for medical school he goes yeah well Babe Ruth was 43 when he uh, played for the Yankees and then Philip Seymour goes no he wasn't he goes I know but I really could do with an example like that Oh, <laughs> yeah two greats that are no longer with us oh that's sad Ron Williams and Philip Seymour would you like to know about a great that is with us still oh god yeah I feel really bad right because I told you about this movie that I didn't watch it that's that's fine, mate. So I give. So I'll do the setup. Last week when you left, we was on a high because we'd just done a Willy Wonka episode. It was great. And it we was were laughing. Fun. It was one of those episodes where, like, I got a headache from laughing. It was that good. Now, then I went through and I thought, I can't go to bed right now because we, we record late. It's normally 10, 11 yeah. by the time we finish. Excited, though. But So I thought, I'm just going to flick on the old telly box, James. Mm. And the um, first thing that came up on our TV, I do not know why. <laughs> it's like when my little one grabs the remote. Somehow she presses a button and this. TV channel keeps coming up. The only place Teletubbies. I don't know what program she presses. That's weird. It is weird. That's very, that's, mate, that's demonic. I know. <laughs> but this, so I turned it on on our TV and the first movie that came up was this John Travolta movie called Speed Kills. Yep. And it was so funny, the tagline. It was like a speedboat racing millionaire yep. gets invested in something or another. Yep. <laughs> that's, from, that's actually a very good and, explanation. And, and then it was like starring John Travolta from Gotti. Mate. I thought, not Grease, not Face Off, not even bloody Battlestar Earth or whatever it was called. Uh, yep. That's how I liked. No, but it was Battlestar yeah. Earth, Battleship Earth. And it, it, none of them films. It was Gotti. Gotti. 
Paris would love, mate. I would have had that. Mate, what have I had? I've had Greece too, and he's not even in it. And the picture <laughs> was terrible. Like it was a you know, it was 2000, what, 21 movie or something like that. Oh, I, I did you want mate? You're so bored anyway, right? And it was after guy. <laughs> so was it any good? <clears throat> Speed kills. Directed by Jodie Scurfield, who also directed nothing else. In fact, I can't find them on the internet at all. <laughs> Starring John Travolta from Pulp Fiction and Greece. Catherine Winnick, you might remember her from Vikings. Michael Weston, James Remar, Tom Sizemore, and Matthew Modine. Tom Sizemore's in it. Yeah, for a little bit. Powerboat Racing World website told their readers to prepare for disappointment. <laughs> so prepare we did. <laughs> John Travolta plays Ben Arnoff. A gentleman that starts the movie having a tense conversation with Tom Sizemore. I imagine that the director thought that this would be the heat scene, but in reality, this scene was about as epic as getting a tooth filling. Well, never mind, because 30 seconds later, he leaves. <laughs> never mind, because 30 seconds later, he leaves the building and is shot in the head. Not great, but not too bad. It wasn't a good long. start, is it? Yeah, there you go. But of course, there's more. Rewind 25 years later and Ben has lost all his money and he tells his wife that they have to start again. The very next scene, he's picking out a new business and the scene after that, he's rich again. So well done, character growth. <laughs> ben falls in love with powerboat racing. It's weirdly edited with real life footage spliced with race commentary that is so over the top it would be more at home with the race horses. It's so weird and odd that by the by at this point, 14 minutes into the film, I began to regret this choice. To cut a long story short, Ben is somehow in bed with the mafia, but not really. Don't understand why, neither did I. <sighs> There's so much hair dye in this film, I genuinely expected it to be sponsored by Hair for Men. Nice. The writing is barely lucid. The dialogue must have been created by a writer after spending the last 45 years speaking to nobody. Flash cuts every second disorient you, but not as much as the random scenes that just jump in for no reason and go nowhere. <laughs> in the opening 30 minutes, we meet Ben's son, who has a car accident and is paralysed, and to cheer him up, Ben takes him to the horse races, and he gives him a speech about how he will walk again. And does he? Fuck if I know, you never see the kid or hear him <laughs> mentioned again. John Travolta has this pained expression across his face all film, like someone's trying to explain rocket science to him in a language he never studied. When he smiles, it looked like someone's trying to shove pineapples in him. I'm not saying he phones it in, he's just mad. Pining for the days of Gotti, when at least he looked like he was having a small bit of fun. Catherine Winnick does the best acting, just because she doesn't vomit every time she shares a scene with Travolta, whose skin is so tan and leathery, I imagine he's being hunted right now. <laughs> <laughs> James Remar looks bored and yet flabbergasted that he somehow found a film worse than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which he is in. He plays Raiden. <laughs> yes, he does. And they're big shoes to fill. After, they were. Uh, uh, Lambert. Yeah. Um, the real masterpiece, though, is Matthew Modine, who plays President George H.W. Bush. Apparently, this whole film is based on a real story, so maybe this is true. But President Bush, I swear to God, shows up and is blown away by these, frankly, shitty boats that look as impressive as a very boring light switch. The president has a fuck-off jumbo jet that can survive attacks from over-actors with bad accents. What the fuck does he care about this shitty-looking boat for? One scene involves the worst CGI storm in movie history and a fake-out death for Ben. 
might have worked if you hadn't shown him die in the first fucking scene <laughs> of the film. The film relies on voiceover narration from Travolta and is annoying to the point that you want to pull off your own ears so you don't have to listen to his words anymore. The film aspires to be gotty, a fun, a, a bad film so laughable that you can be forgiven for liking it. But this film fails at being bad. It's just toxic. Toxic and shit. The film equivalent of wiping your ass and getting shit on your hand. Or, if you don't like that one, a film equivalent of microwaving your meal, falling over, impaling your knife in your eye, and slowly starving to death. I prefer that one. <laughs> there you go. That was Speed Kills, which was a torturous... It was longer than 30 minutes, mate, and then it was torturous. Fucking torturous. So, not worth watching. No, fuck it. No, And not even as a joke to get you to watch it. Like, could have said, oh, it's so bad, it's great. No, <laughs> just bad. There was a time where I would go out my way to watch it just to just to put myself through the misery. Yeah, don't. The time is precious nowadays, James. Is it, it? This is too. <clears throat> so you've got a kid, and I think that you deserve to not watch this. <laughs> you, your time is precious. You work hard, and even as a joke, mate, don't watch this. Not like Gotti, which you should watch. Yeah, I still haven't seen that neither. If this film, this film, mate, aspires to be Gotti, which is one of the saddest statements I'll ever make. Is it? It's kind of in the same vein. Nothing happens for long periods of time. But apparently it has happened. And it doesn't date anything. George W. George H. W. Bush, which is the famous, is the father. So this is before Bill Clinton. He's in it. So we're thinking it must be, you know, late 80s that this film must take place. But it could easily be set yesterday. Mm. Like there's nothing stopping it. John Ford genuinely doesn't look human. He looks like, he looks like an alien is wearing a John Travolta suit, <laughs> which might be his acting style now. <clears throat> But weirdly, we've talked about two actors here. And um, we've, been, we've mostly been talking about, you know, like Pig and National Treasure. We're talking about Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. And, and they shared a famous film together, Face Off. And the reason why I think there's this great mirror, and I mentioned it earlier, is Nicolas Cage will make a shit film. <coughs> but, but he very rarely has a run. He'll make it then a great film. He'll mm. do Pig and then he'll turn around and do fucking like, I don't know, Kung Fu Chicken. I don't know. But John Travolta is just marinated in shit. It's like... His last decent performance was like in Broken Arrow. No. Paris with Love, mate. Okay. All right. But that was still a very long time ago. But what I'm saying is, is I think he, I think he's genuinely forgotten how to act. I genuinely think like something's wrong with John Travolta. The, the, I've, I've watched interviews with John Travolta and heard people speak about John Travolta and saying that he is, he is one of the most like smartest men on the planet. Mm. Like as a businessman, like this guy, oh, yeah. you know, flies airplanes. He's a tycoon with like the, like, I don't think acting is his main income and isn't his main interest that's, anymore. That's it's like, a, it's like his passion, but not his, not what he does. I mean, you can remember like when there was, when drones were big and they were taking photos of celebrity houses and mm. it was like, John Travolta has a fucking airport in his house. He's living Heathrow. The guy, like, the guy is fascinating. There's all the Illuminati shit as well. Yeah. Like, he's up there. He's, I don't know where he is. He's ringleader. I don't know. I don't know the hierarchy of the Illuminati. Oh, he's in Scientology as well. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just, just giving you that. Yeah. To be fair, he could be an Illuminati. He could is be. Is it the same thing? I don't know. No, it's not. Don't, because we'll, we'll get people like stone in our houses now. Because <laughs> they're like... I'm, deli- I'm poking the bear. No, but uh, yeah, John Travolta, I think, yeah, you're right. Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage secretly likes doing the good and the bad and the yeah, ugly so and, and having that blend and having surprising audiences every now and again. Whereas you're right. I think John Travolta is over, you know, he's, he's over the, he's fourth from grace. Is it? He's not, he's not bouncing back at any time. There's a scene where you, so you're supposed to imply that he's falling in love with the life and he you know, starts cheating on his wife. 
And I just felt bad for the young girl. I was like, she got told that she was in a film and now John Travolta's got slimy otter hands on him. I <laughs> genuinely felt bad. You know, it's really weird when you're watching the film and you just think, I wish she got paid a fucking ton for this because, bless her, because I haven't seen her in anything else. She might like, oh, this is going to be my first film. And then John Travolta like slimes on her. She's just like, oh, I'm he done is, with all that. I'll tell you where he is. It's unfair to put him with Nicolas Cage because Nicolas Cage does turn out some good still. He is Bruce Willis territory. He is Bruce Willis territory. I, yeah. I feel like Bruce Willis is leading the pack still. <laughs> but John Travolta's a member. And John Travolta, is, he, for some odd reason, he's running to catch up. That's, do you know what? That's a good shout. There is a group of... That's a good... Which, if you know any other actors that are just phoning it in so much, they got fucking air miles. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good shout. On the lookout for the pack. Yeah, I think I do think... I think Bruce Willis is... Bruce Willis is alpha. He's president of that club, yeah. He's, he's alpha. alpha. Yeah, he's, he's alpha. alpha. But, but, you know, I would put... I'm putting John Travolta as VP, mate. I think he's vice president of that mm. club. Or if not, he's definitely treasurer. He is a member of that club of just how. Yeah. And I, we could have to come up with a name for that group. I really like it. <laughs> There's this group just doing that. Uh, um, but if you didn't get that, it's on Netflix. Uh, don't watch it. I submit it for the pit. Well, I, I don't need to watch it to put it in the pit, Thank mate. You. Go it for it. It is in the pit. It's a shite film. It's like Mickey Rourke was desperately going down that route until he brought out the wrestler. Yeah. And I haven't seen him in a while, though. So maybe he's back in it. I bought John Travolta's IMDb just to end the episode. So let's just do quick fire. I haven't seen. I'm not a John Travolta expert, and I don't gravitate towards a lot of his movies. For the record, I'm fairly certain as of when we did with Bruce Willis. <laughs> that well, wasn't that long ago. Well, obviously, Pulp Fiction. No, I mean, I mean, in the bad years. Oh yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> not the vintage years. Then. So um, just go through this then. Uh, Carrie, seventy six. Obviously, yeah, it's pretty good in that. Signing out fever. Uh, I don't remember. I've seen it. Greece. Oh, I. Do you know what the biggest problem with Greece is? Is they're all like thirty-year-old people and making up like teenagers is ridiculous. But it's always been ruined for me. Have you ever seen the version with no music? Oh yeah, yeah. That to me is one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. So I can't take anything serious. But you know, Greece has got that really beautiful message that if if you don't get along with your boyfriend, you change your life because you're the woman, <laughs> <laughs> and then fly into space. <laughs> yeah, there is that bit. Yeah, there is that bit. Uh, Urban Cowboy uh, Not seen it What about Staying Alive I like Staying Alive It's alright it's, it's, Yeah It's alright Yeah I don't mind I don't mind Staying Alive I don't think It's been a long time It's been a long time, time Since I've seen, seen it, it. Uh, You always see an old Relative's house You never put it on But you're like Your nana Your nana that you call nana But she's not your nana <laughs> she, She's always got it on There's always And it's one of the films That always pops up in trivia Isn't it About the suit that he wears in it for the infamous dance scene is like, it was originally meant to be the colours the other way round and oh, then they swapped it last minute. But yeah, not enough for me to give a shit. Um, then you've got films like Look Who's Talking. I like that. There you go. There's a Bruce Willis crossover. Yeah. Because in Look Who's Talking Oh, he sure does the baby. Yes, of course. No, I think that's right. I think they're acceptable. Up until the third one. <laughs> Look Who's Talking Now. Luckily, Pulp Fiction came around the corner. Get Shorty. I was Get Shorty's that. good. Broken Arrow in uh, 96. There's a good film. Michael. No, not for me. No, I think, do you know what, that's a film that, it's, it's a he the one that's Michael the Fallen Angel. Who's yeah. the person he's pissing about with who doesn't believe him? Bob um, Hoskins, isn't it? I, no, I've got me confused with a K-pop or something. The, so will will he in that movie? One. I can't remember. I'm getting well confused in my head. Michael, he's the archangel, he's, he's the angel Michael, whatever it is. Oh, right, fair enough. Yeah, he's William Hurt in that movie. And Andy McDowell in it. Um, cracking mullet in that film yeah I, I remember the poster being really it was just his face mm. <laughs> uh, face off obviously the nice seven it's great yeah, I think it's an epic action film it's brilliant Thin Red Line I think he always forgets that he's in that 
Is he commander in that? Mm, he's a, yeah, general, maybe. I don't know. I think that was his sort of bag. There's a film that you're about to mention now, which I think is an underrated masterpiece. General's Daughter? Yeah, I love that film. I think it was amazing. Yeah, I did like that one. Battlefield Earth. There you go. Here's where it starts. <laughs> <laughs> proper shit, that one. And he, that is proper and, shit. And he funded that one as well as so cock end as well. Yeah, this was, so this is... Um, this is Scientology, mate. This is 2000s. This is like, fucking hell, Will Swift is killing it with sci-fi movies. <laughs> John Travolta. John Travolta. Hold, hold my boot. <laughs> Watch me fuck this genre up. Do you know what? Have you ever seen that film? Yeah, it's is terrible. It, there's, no, there's something like, there's only 3% of the angles are actually like straight on. They're all fucking slanted. It killed Barry Pepper's like momentum, like stone dead. It is, it is awfully like, that movie and Gone in 60 Seconds for me are like, wow, 2000s. Well, yeah, exactly. like, you know what I mean? Like, because a lot of it because of the cinematography and the <laughs> style. Um, Swordfish in 2001. Oh, he overacts in that so much. He gets, <laughs> that's a shit film. That's, I like I like Hugh Jackman. And I remember, I remember as a teenager, you all loved it because Halle Berry got naked, but. <laughs> but right, so I was, all right, yeah, carry on. But, but I still remember it because Vinnie Jones was in it. And it, that was when Vinnie Jones was nearly your career. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, do you fresh off the bat, I've gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> Move on. But um, I do remember Swordfish. No, actually, I'm not going to tell that story on this podcast. Okay. There was there was something really funny about Swordfish once where I completely did not get what the person was saying. And I thought they were referencing another scene. But anyway. <laughs> Domestic Disturbance in 2001. That, so You like this film, don't you? I like small town American little dramas. And this was about a, uh, it was a father-son relationship. Uh, divorcee, a uh, new man falls into uh, the life of his son who um, is an abuser. He's a, he's a violent individual who um, the son witnesses do something quite evil and no one believes him but his dad mm -hmm. and um you know Vince Vaughn I thought at the time as well because I like Vince Vaughn's comedy you know this is a 2001 does that you know Steve Buscemi I think was in it and it, you know George Rotter makes his living making boats it was just a little drama little thriller drama that was all right yeah built up to the final scenes you know it was one of them it's you know would make a good novel James I yeah. don't mind domestic disturbance um Austin Powers gold member yeah a great cameo but but I think when you're cameoing that you're kind of already you're either a really big actor, you're over the hill. You know, like that. that's... Yeah. Those Because he's gold member. His cameo is right at the end where you think, oh, it's John Travolta. A laughing stock. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. What about Basic? Can you remember that? The Sam Jackson. <sighs> that is the Sam Jackson one, isn't it? It's the, the military one. police my investigating a... Yeah. My problem is when you see... I love that. I like the General's Daughter and I prefer that. So when I saw Basic, I was like, mm, General's Daughter's better. <laughs> yeah, Basic is a... It, it's it, Again, it's that early 2000s where it tries to do that thing it's where it's like at the end uh, what you saw you didn't really see and this mm. is you know and you see the flashbacks and you see you know all the it hidden messages that you missed it wasn't basic it was quite complicated <laughs> it, but it was I remember the first time watching it being like hey yeah. uh, Punisher mate you played Howard Sane yeah there you go I you to the further descent <laughs> right I like the Punisher but I really find it hard, even the Tom Jane one. I find they're it not, now really hard. To, they're not Punisher films, though, are they? I, I've, it's a guilty pleasure. I like some of the fight scenes when he takes on the Russian and whatever. Them mm. scenes are still entertaining. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, obviously. But yeah. as, on a whole, like, he really he really does let the side down <laughs> in that movie. Can you imagine John Bethanel, who wants revenge, so he steals a car, parks it in front of a fire hydrant, and then it's just like, no, he'd shoot them because yeah, that's what the he would fucking just walk in, does. Yeah. <laughs> At least the Ray Stevenson one got that. Like yeah, the exactly. first scene, he just walks into the mafia house and shoots everyone. But what I love about the, what about what I love about John Travolta in this is when his wife's like, kill them all, and he's like, 
You heard her. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, he tries to do that Lady Macbeth thing, doesn't it? Just a dick. He's just terrible. Ladder 49 with Joaquin Phoenix. I, I did quite like that. That was, I in, mind, was post 9-11. I did sneak into that film. And do you know what? Okay. It, but it's because he's not the main role. He's, no, he's, he's captain. Because he's captain. Yeah, he's sitting around uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. But that's why. That's what I mean. I'm starting to gravitate now that he's a... Like the thin red line, like you said, he's he's better as the support mm. and just just move on, John Travoy. You, you're done. We've we've all seen Battlefield Earth. Just move on. Ladder Forty Nine did give me the Irish car bomb though, which is when you get a Guinness and you throw a Bailey's in it and you got to drip down the thing before it erupts. Mm-hmm. You do it before you watch the movie. Many of them after they're watching that movie. There you go. Um, be cool, obviously sequel. No, it was terrible. Wild Hogs, mate. Get out. Wild Hogs. I don't understand why you love that film so much. It's, I tell you, that's a guilty pleasure. That movie. This is definitely a guilty pleasure. <laughs> William H. Macy, mate. Tim Allen. Yeah. Whoever else in that movie. <laughs> Judge Roy and Tim uh, Allen. Tim Allen, William H. Macy. I want to say, remember. I'm going to have to click on it. I cannot remember who it is, and I don't want to embarrass myself if I get it wrong. Oh, shit, I was right. Yeah, Martin Lawrence. Jesus. It has got, it's got Dr. Cox in it, hasn't it? John C. McGinley, it does, yeah. John C. McGinley, and it has uh, Marissa Tomei in it, and it has Ray Liotta in it. But then again, it's really I would do anything. Yeah, yeah someone's got better filmography than John Travolta. That's true. Don't look at it. Though. Hairspray. And do you know what? At least he did something different. Oh, you can say that. <laughs> Bolt. He did the voice. He did the voice. Yep. Taking a pen one, two, three, which... Uh, no, he he chose that. He, mate, the, the, the criminals could have you know, escape through the tunnel he chewed out of the scenery. He's so bad and over the top. Like, he drops the motherfucker so much, I genuinely thought it was just another word by the end of it. Yeah, Denzel Washington, this is at the, the time when he was cracking out these kind of movies, wasn't it? Yeah. Like this and Deja Vu and other stuff. But George Ford also does not look menacing with a goatee in and this also, movie. And also he's supposed to be like some sort of banker that went to jail or something really weird and ridiculous. Yeah, not for me. Not for you. Uh, oh, then we got old dogs. No, that is no idea. Paris, we love mate. Charlie Wax. I ah, that's just, film. That's just you. I still don't get it. That is a film. Paris, we love is awesome. If you haven't seen Paris, we love. Oh, you'll thank me. It's I, wicked. It's it's. Yeah, it's, I wicked. It's bad to okay. Savages, killing season. No. Laugh on the line. Fucking no. Uh, I'm Raph. <laughs> Gotti. <laughs> There you go. Now there's a film. Speed kills. Oh, fuck me. Pitbull, free to tango. <laughs> the fanatic. Mate. Directed by Fred Durst, where he plays a character called Moose. Mate, you, you fucking telling me that? I've fucking seen the fanatic, mate. So you you harsh your words on. I will harsh him. That I, watched that with, I watched that with Sam. Yeah. Sam wanted to do that film for the longest. That's the actual real reason he left. Because <laughs> you won't let him do the fanatic. <laughs> Isn't John Travolta's opening line in that movie? I took shit. I need to poo. Mate, fucking, and then you wonder where his career's gone. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's padded this one out. Yeah, it is padded it, yeah. <laughs> Next week? John <laughs> No. We'll figure something. Uh, yeah. Anyway, National Treasure. National Treasure. If you haven't seen it for a while, go back. You'll thank us later. Uh, this has been our show. If you do like it, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review. All them kind people that leave us comments, that's great. That's fantastic. Copy and paste them into a review. That would be great. <laughs> You've done the work. Yeah, just copy. Control C, Control V. Someone the other day wrote about the Charlie Chucker Factory saying that, uh, that they laughed uncontrollably. They had to pull the car over. I thought that would make a great review on iTunes. Not 
Not great for driving, <laughs> but it's great for us. You see, great review, terrible morgue report. Yeah. <laughs> they, they should have pulled over. But, but do do uh, do drive safe. But no, no, do leave us a review if you do like the show. If you, uh, you know, it helps us find more people and just to bring joy to their lives. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Don't see you later. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night.